Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open them, or your device, I would encourage you to open it to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. In a few moments, we're going to get to this passage, but before we do, I want to tell you a little bit about my story and an experience I had that I hope will serve as an illustration, and I hope maybe we'll build a bit of a bridge or connect to your hearts in a little bit. It's a little bit broken to start, but at the end, we're going to get to a spot where my heart this morning is able to praise God, and I can sing a new song, and I want to share that with you. It was June 2018, and we had just had a really busy season in the church. Going back into the fall of 2017, it, it had been a really hard push. God was doing great things in the heart of our community, and we were excited, we were growing, we were moving. Uh, the church was having impact, and this was really exciting. And so we really leaned in as a staff. But as you know, that when you expend a lot of energy, it makes you tired. And going into uh, uh, Christmas season that year, Pastor Scott and I had gone to visit Curtis and Linda Dole in Paraguay, and that had been a taxing trip. And uh, coming into 2018, I entered into that year feeling a little bit weary. We pressed in even more in that spring season. And one of the things I was looking forward to that I knew in my head was that if we could get through just the spring and we could get to June, I knew that we had some meetings up in Calgary, the end of June, beginning of July. We had some meetings in Calgary, uh, something that we call General Assembly that some of you will be familiar with, that would serve as a bit of a break. And I would have an opportunity to gain some refreshment. So we pushed hard that year. And when we got to General Assembly, it was what it promised to be. It was a wonderful time, but it was also somewhat taxing. We'd get up early in the morning and we'd go to meetings and there's votes and debate and deliberations and all of these sorts of things. And then as we would go through the day and have these meetings, there were sessions and seminars to take in. And then after the sessions and the seminars, we'd grab a quick bite of dinner and we'd come back for an evening worship uh, service. And it was wonderful. And then because... Uh, we as pastors and colleagues were together uh, after the evening worship service was done and the speaker had shared with us and we were filled and blessed and all of those things, we decided to fill ourselves some more and so we'd go out for some appetizers for chicken wings and food and nachos and whatever the case might be and just have fellowship with one another. And it was great, but what I was discovering through that, that week was rather, that re rather than recharging my batteries, I was actually getting more and more tired. And after inhaling uh, embarrassing amounts of barbecue chicken wings and teriyaki chicken wings and all of those kind of things, I went back to my room that night and I was staying with my brother-in-law, Dave, who's an Alliance pastor up in Brooks. Pastor Scott and Pastor Brian were in another room and that night as I went to bed, what I'd hoped was going to happen didn't happen at all. In fact, something very different took place in my life. Hoping to go to sleep right away, instead what happened is I started as I laid in bed, I started to process things and fixate on things and started to think about things and I started to become obsessed in my thoughts. And as I laid there, I couldn't fall asleep and instead, I just began to worry. Right or wrong, I'll just admit to you that up to this point in my life, I'd never really struggled with mental health. But as I laid in bed, I started to just get crippled with fear and anxiety and I started to panic a little bit. 
I felt a weight on my chest and I didn't understand what was going on. And so as I laid there and I started to get concerned and anxious, tears started to come in my eyes and I knew I was in a room with my brother-in-law. He was fast asleep. That was very evident. He was snoring loud. And I didn't want to wake him up. And so I slipped quietly slipped into the washroom and there I sat on the toilet seat down and I began to weep. And I don't know how long it went on for. A little bit. Not terribly long, but a little bit. And I felt like I broke that night. And I, I, all of a sudden, I started to grow shame. I was scared. I was panicking. I was struggling. Uh, I just felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. And so finally, at some point when the tears had dried up, I went back to bed and I just laid there. And it, in, it, when I was in the washroom and when I, was, when I went back to bed, it was a time where I just cried out to Jesus. I've been praying that prayer quite a bit recently. Oh Lord, would you move in our lives? And that night I just prayed, Oh Lord, would you touch my life? Would you bless my life? Would you, would you just heal this pain? Would you take it away? And he did. He brought so much peace. When I cried out in Jesus' name, he brought so much peace into my heart. And while I didn't fall asleep that night, I was able to lay in bed and some of the pressures that I was feeling, some of that anxiety, it started to slowly melt away. And the next morning when we woke up, I, you know, I guess I didn't wake up, I was already awake. When the blinds opened, Dave woke up, and when the blinds opened, he looked over at me and he said, man, did I ever sleep great that last night? And I was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> and we got on with the day. It was the last day of General Assembly, and waves of this emotion, this anxiety, this pressure kept coming back at me. And every time it came, I would pray and I would just say, Lord, in Jesus' name, would you just release me from this? And he would. But I knew the devil was trying to attack me. And I knew that I just hadn't experienced this before. We got back. I didn't say a word to anybody. And we got back to Lethbridge and I tried just to get on with life, just to put it behind me. After all, I'm supposed to be somewhat of a leader. I'm not supposed to to pass my burdens onto others, or so I thought, so I was believing the lies. I wasn't supposed to, um, you know, impose on anybody's, uh, you know, personal space or, or share my burdens. I didn't think that I needed to contribute to a problem. Instead, I just figured this out with God. And these waves kept coming back to me over and over and over again. And finally, like three or four or five days later, something like that, I just finally said to Ralna, we were out on a day off driving around, and I just finally said, I just got to share something with you. And as I shared my burden with her, I felt a weight lift off my shoulders. I felt like I could breathe again. And I just felt like the sweet release had come. And well, I had to learn some new rhythms in life, and I had to learn about what it meant to pray through something, a challenge like that. God has done, and he, does, he continues to do a healing work in my heart and my life as I, after I journeyed through these moments. And I learned that, well, I thought I was doing the right thing by not passing my burden on to others. I've learned about the essentials of community and the essentials of sharing life together and having at least a few people in my life that I can be really honest with, that I can be uncomfortable with. 
and lay my life before them. About a month ago, when it became apparent that I was going to be sharing this morning, God almost immediately reminded me of this story, and he almost immediately, and I felt like he invited me to talk about the essentials of Christian community, of what it means to live with a measure of uncomfortability with each other. And so I'm going to take us back um, to our Bible now, and I want us to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And as we read this together, friends, I want us to um, talk this morning about the essentials of Christian community and the importance of living life transparently together. I'll read this for us, and then we'll spend a few minutes picking this apart and talking about it and sharing with it here today. It says in, in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together and with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. God's done a healing work in my life and it's phenomenal. I live with joy and yes, there's still times when I struggle with mental health things like many of you. But I want to give you some perspective this morning that well, we have this perspective, at least in Western culture, maybe it's humanity, but for sure in Western culture, that sometimes we live with glasses that are half empty or half full. I think the actual reality of the glass of our life is that our lives can be refilled or our cups can be refilled and God can do work in our lives and he does it so often and so beautifully in the context of community. This past week, I called a great friend of mine. And when I called Jeremy, uh, actually, sorry, he called me. When we were talking on the phone, he said, how are things in Lethbridge these days? I said, well, they're going good. But actually, I think that for many of us, I was saying this to Jeremy, as good as they're going, I think for many of us, there's just this measure or this feeling of weariness in our lives. It's not that things are super, super good or super, super bad. It's just that overall in our culture, people are just tired. And I don't think it's necessarily reflected in how we're interpreting or feeling about life, but there's just a weariness because we feel like there's lots going on. I said, how are things in the Okanagan? He said, man, it's like the same thing. We feel like we're zombies walking around and, and we're, we're struggling with that. Again, it's not that there's lots of highs or lots of lows. Life's okay. Life is thick and life is messy for everybody, but we're just tired. I said, you know, Jeremy, what's interesting to me is that as we engage with people and we talk with people, whether it's people in the church or people in the community or people in our families, whatever the case might be, when we hear these things, we say to them, you know, or, or we say it ourselves, can I pray into that for you? Or, or can I share that with others? We've got a prayer team at the church. I'd love to. And so often the response that I hear in our culture, and friends, I'm guilty of this too. I'm not pointing any fingers. Is, you know what? For right now, I think we should just keep it to ourselves. Or, I've heard lots of times, somebody will share something with me. I've got a friend who does this to me all the time. He'll share something with me and he'll say, before I tell you this, I just want to let you know this isn't your story to tell. And as I was reflecting on community this week and preparing for this morning, God laid it on my heart that so often in life, when we bind up the realities or when we bind up our stories, when we don't share our stories, at least with a few, 
We can give the devil a foothold into our lives or into our story that can, that can cause us to go to the sidelines of life. He can push us through that foothold to the sidelines of life. And it's there so often that he can, he can attack us or, or, um, or he can destroy us. But that initial response of, this isn't your story to tell, or I'm just going to keep this to myself, or like I did, you know, I don't want to pass my burden onto others, that is a tool that the devil so often uses. And to illustrate this, I want to take us back for a moment to Genesis chapter 3. And if you know this story, you'll know it well. This is the story of the fall of humanity, of Adam and Eve. And here, Adam and Eve get tempted with um, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And here it says this, starting in verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty. Evil one is crafty. He was craftier than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened. The first thing that the crafty evil one does in our lives and in in our situations and in this situation, is he brings a question mark into our minds. And in the story of Adam and Eve, as they're walking through the garden, his temptation comes first in the form of a question. Did God really say? And what it does is it puts a question mark in our mind and it it causes us or it pushes us into places of isolation and loneliness rather than bringing us into the God-created spaces of community and relationship. And so often in life, as noble as we think as it is to not bear our burdens with others or not tell our story or not share with people around us, as noble as we feel that that is in our Western culture, the independentness of of who we are. As we live that way, we can give the evil one, we can give Satan a foothold into our lives. And through that foothold, he can push us to the side. And I believe that it's in the sidelines of life that we can start to appreciate and and realize the realities of John chapter 10, verse 9, that says the evil one comes to seek, kill, and destroy. And it starts with a question. So oftentimes, friends, what feels right in the flesh is actually the thing that the evil one is trying to deceive us with to get us to the side. And I want to caution us as people who are living in the thick season of life, in the shadows as um, the battle belongs to the Lord's song said, as sometimes life presents shadows to us, that Satan can deceive us into believing that, that our problem is independent and it only belongs to us. It's not to be shared with others. But if we can recognize this, and if we can learn to live that at least with a few people, it doesn't have to be everybody, but with at least a few people, we will share our lives. We will bear our burdens with a few I believe we can move away from the sidelines and we can enter into the God-given design of community and relationship. 
a relationship that points us towards Jesus, a relationships that give us perspective, relationships that bless, relationships that move, relationships that link arms and say, you're not doing this alone. We're gonna journey forward to Jesus together. And so I wanna, I wanna give to you a question that you can ask yourself as you live into the thicker situations of life and whatever's brought you there, whether it's loss or, or grief or sin or brokenness or the actions of others or mental health or whatever the case might be, I wanna give you a question that you can use to evaluate how you're stepping forward in the seasons of life that we're living in in these days. And the tension or the question is quite simply this. Are the next steps forward in your journey, in your journey closing doors to relationship or are you going to open a door and share your burden with someone else? It's a critical question. And I believe the answer to that question will indicate whose voice we're listening to in the challenging seasons of life. And it must be asked. It must be asked, especially in days when we're struggling. These are hard days. There's no question. And if you read the news these days or, or you watch what's going on, maybe you're just even just personally feeling it in life. I think, I've called it this for some time, and if it's right or wrong, an appropriate term, I don't know, but I've been calling this a thicker season of life. And as we're living in thick days, I believe that, um, I believe that we're starting to see and we're starting to acknowledge that the world around us is changing. As much as we'd like to go back to 2018 or, or 2016 or 2014, the way things used to be, I'm not convinced that we're ever going back to that place again. But instead, I think that God is creating and he's giving to us new realities of life that will not allow us to go back to the normal way of doing things. And this is a blessing. It's happening in the church too, friends. We are living in days where everything is changing. And as much as we want to go back to the way things were, I believe that God is changing the church. And some would suggest in the North American church that the church is collapsing. But in reading Ed Stetzer this week, even back in 2015, he said the church in North America isn't collapsing. Instead, it's being clarified. And in the clarity of what God is doing in us and for us, I believe that he's giving to us an opportunity to embrace new rhythms and new uh, opportunities to live differently. And there's going to be opportunities like we've never had before that we never could step into or we could never have perspective on had we not lived through desert seasons of life. And so as we're looking to clarify, as we're looking for new rhythms and new ways, I believe that God this morning is taking us to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 46. And as we look at this passage, I believe he's showing to us that we need to embrace as the church, and there's lots of reasons for this, uh, all of which we can't get into this morning, but there's lots of reasons why we as a church need to embrace the example and the model of the early church in Acts chapter 2 again. We are in being invited to live into a faith that isn't comfortable at all, but rather it's uncomfortable, and that's the way God designed us to be. And so let me take you back to verse 44 for a second and read these words. It says this, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with uh, glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added daily to, 
to their number those who were being saved. It all looks and feels really rosy on the surface, doesn't it, when you read this? But friends, as those believers were gathering around the table, I don't think it was just the roast beef and the mashed potatoes that they were passing and sharing with each other. I have to think it was the turnips and the peas and the Brussels sprouts as well. It was all people sharing all parts of their lives in all seasons. And this was the reality that they lived with. There was an openness and a unity going on to each other and to God that was blessing their lives. And as they shared all of their life, even as uncomfortable as it was, as they shared all of their life, the blessing that came was that the world around them saw the transformational work of Jesus in them and through them, the unity, the heart, the openness with which they shared, and the, the, the church, the community, the family, those at the table, the number grew because people couldn't just stay away. I really believe that the pull of the human heart is towards comfortable living. And I say that as a Calgary Flames fan who for years has suffered through the uncomforts of loss. We, we love to be comfortable. Last night I sat on my couch and watched a show. We ate good food. We had a good time together. Life is comfortable, but this is not the way that God designed us to live. In fact, in the previous parts of this chapter, if you look, Paul, uh, Peter rather is addressing uh, people and he, he, get, he paints this picture of what the Christian life can look like. Power from on high, anointings from Jesus, miracles, healings, all of these things taking place, the Lord moving in the land. And as they hear this message, they say, that's amazing, how can we receive this? And he says to them in verse 38, he replies, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. It started with repentance. It started with an acknowledgement of their brokenness. It started with this reality that they said to each other, we're sinners. Or they, sorry, they said to Jesus, we are sinners. We need you. We ask that you would forgive us. And as they started with that awkward acknowledgement of their brokenness, God moved in their lives and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then the realities of this. Verse 40, it goes on, save yourself from this corrupt generation. He's saying to them, don't live, don't embrace the patterns of the world. Be renewed by the transforming of your mind. Live uncomfortably. And live different. Friends, this kind of living is awkward, but it's also essential. And as we practice this, and as it, it helps us to move forward with clean hearts and in relationship and, and supporting one another and journeying together, it's going to move from something that's awkward to something that we will embrace as essential. Releasing these burdens from our shoulders, allowing God to move in our lives through our community, coming to Jesus together, this will become an essential rhythm of life. And as it becomes a central rhythm of life, it will become a glorious reality in our life because we will be together as God designed us to be, not on the sidelines believing the questions that Satan puts in our mind, but instead embracing the truths of God and his kingdom and of Jesus Christ and living into those realities. And so there's an uncomfortable pattern that becomes critically important for us. It starts with an awkward acknowledgement that we are broken. It moves to the essential embrace of coming together. And then it, it equals the glorious realities of living in shared community. And as I said before, I don't think that we all need to stand up in the front like I've done today and tell our story. 
I share that as an, as an example and as a leader who desires to be vulnerable with you. But I don't think all of us have to share our stories from the front, but we for sure need to have at least a few people in our lives that we can live with this sort of openness. People who we invite into our story. People who know that when life is abundant can celebrate with us. And people who know that when we pass them the turnips and the Brussels sprouts and the peas can help lift up our head and point us towards Jesus. Doesn't have to be many, but I would suggest there do need to be a few. And sometimes some of the question marks that I think the devil puts into our mind is things like, oh, well, I'm just an introvert. Or my story's no big deal. Or, you know, in comparison, my problems are little. Or they're not many. These are things that can force us into isolation. And so I believe it's important that we regularly evaluate and ask ourselves, who are our people? Who are we sharing life with? Was it Jenny Allen that wrote the book about who are our people? Super important in these days that we live. There doesn't have to be many, but there should be a few. And yes, this is hard. It's uncomfortable. It's against our natural tendency. But friends, hear me when I say this is exactly the way that Jesus is inviting us to live in the Christian life. Close relationship, to be known, sharing life together, bearing one another's burdens, sharing together, praying together, serving together, being together, eating together. This is the Christian life. It moves us from a me-only focus and leads us towards so much more. It leads us towards community and relationship and sharing in all of life together. And in looking at the early church, this is exactly what Jesus wants for us as believers here today. You know, we're living in changing times. Life is never going to be the same. And that's a good thing. You know, I too watch the news and I follow social media, and I look at this world, and I long for us to recapture some of the realities of the way that we used to live, but this just isn't true, and the same thing's true in the church. And as we're stepping out into a post-COVID reality and a post-COVID season, I just want you to know that as leaders in the church, we are holding our hands open, and we're saying, oh Lord, what is the new way that you want us to live? Well, what I'm about to share with you, I don't think is anything profoundly new, but it could be a newer rhythm for us here uh, at UDAC that we are evaluating and trying to journey forward in, not just as ourselves, but with you, our church family as well. We're asking the questions uh, of how we can move forward in the best ways together. And I'll tell you that as one of your pastors, there are, you know, one of the highest joys, the highest privileges of my life and, and I'll say this for all of our staff, of all of our lives, is to share in life with our faith family. This is a phenomenal church. You are phenomenal people. We're a pretty good team. And yet we sense that Jesus is inviting us to take up you know, uh, one more step together and, and bring even more gifts to the table. Acts 2 is this bigger picture of what it means for us to be the church. And let me bring it back to verse 44 again. All the believers, I you know, emphasize that in my notes, in all caps. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They shared property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. And there's this picture of all of the gifts coming together onto the table. 
And God blessing and working through all of the people. It's a beautiful picture. It's the body of Christ working together. One of the things we've been working on as, as a as staff team, a leadership team, is looking at the way that we care for people. And we love to come alongside people, hearing their stories, uh, meeting needs, coming alongside and journeying through life together. But we've been evaluating this and we've been looking at this and we, say, and we have the sense that Jesus wants to uh, invite even more people into that process. And this isn't about us abdicating our responsibilities. We know that we have leadership and we know that, that God has, has, has called us and he's using us to journey alongside others. But we sense that God is something more. And so for the past uh, few weeks and into this next season, we're working on what we're calling our care ministry structure. And we're looking to invite more people into that process. We're just at the front end of it. And so in the coming weeks and months, we'll be fleshing this out more, but we just want to be transparent to say, we believe that God has something more for us and for all believers to come to the table in this. And so we're going to look for uh, spaces for ministry for people to step in and to journey alongside with us, people to reach out and to reach into our community and to, to help meet needs with us, practical needs, spiritual needs, financial needs, food needs, visitation needs, all of it, all of the whole spectrum of pastoral care, the whole church working together, all believers, all day, all the time. And so we're looking at this structure and we're starting to pray and we're saying, God, what does this mean? What does this look like? And we want to invite you uh, to be a part of this process. People who are willing to sit down with the brokenhearted and listen. People who are willing to pray. People who can paint fences. People who can take others for coffee or go for groceries. People who are, are willing just to look at our processes and, 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 and step into that and say, I'm all in. I want to be a part of the team. And so for the sake of our time here this morning, I just want to invite you into the prayer aspect of what this is going to look like. I want you to be praying for us as leaders and, and praying that God would really bless and paint the picture of how this is all going to flesh out. And then as we pray about this, friends, we want to invite you to get your hearts ready to be a part of this process. And you might be saying, what's my fit? Where do I fit into the puzzle? And as we say this, we say, well, we, we have to prepare for that. And so my question back would be, well, what are your gifts? And you, your question back to me might be, well, I don't even know what my gifts are. And so this morning after the service is done, Pastor Brian, and he doesn't know this yet, but Pastor Dylan is going to be out at the information desk. Surprise. And uh, there's going to be spiritual gift inventories there that you can take home. There's some printed copies. There's a QR code you can scan with your phone and you can go and do a, a spiritual gift inventory and it'll start to paint the picture of where God has gifted you. He's brought you here for a reason. He's brought me here for a reason. We want to work together to bless all people. And we believe that God is starting to paint this picture. This morning, one of our prayer intercessors came up to me and shared me, with me this picture that God had given to her about a puzzle and different pieces from the puzzle getting put into the puzzle, from the sides getting put into the puzzle to create this beautiful picture. And I believe this is part of the work that God is doing in our church. All people serving together, living uncomfortably together. 
And so we want to invite you into this. We want to ask that you'd be patient with us in this. We're probably a couple of months away from fully launching this, but we're going to start to piece it together. People praying, people discerning their gifts, and then people coming together. In a few weeks or months, we're going to probably ask you to fill out a Connect card and, and send it in, and we'll start piecing it all together. But I think there's this beautiful opportunity to be engaged and involved in God's work. There's this beautiful opportunity to actually live into the realities of Acts chapter 2. There's this beautiful reality to come to the table together. Two more quick things. That's about service. But there's also the reality of groups, of sharing your life together with others. And if you're looking for a, a spot to be in a group, would you fill out a connect card and, would you, uh, or, and let us know? Or you can email us, info at udac.ca and let us know. We would love to help get you into a spot if you need help with that uh, in, in getting into a, a group together to share life together with people. The other thing goes back to serving a little bit. Sometimes when it comes to needs in our church, our church has got to the size where we don't always know what's going on. Sometimes we do pretty good. Sometimes we fumble the ball. Sometimes you're wondering where we are. And part of this process, we want to use our church office as the ministry hub. That's what we called it. That's what the sign says on the wall. We want to use the office as our ministry hub. And so if something comes up in life, either a thick thing or a great thing, you've got a need or you want to celebrate, you've got uh, a desire to get involved or you've heard about a situation, would you let us know? And would you call the church office and you could talk to Purdy and you could say, hey, this is happening or that's happening. And as we understand the needs in our church, we're going to work to respond to them. Pastors will be involved. Our ministry teams will be involved. But if you could let us know, sometimes we find out well after the fact that stuff is taking place in people's lives and we long to be involved. But very honestly, sometimes we just don't know. Some of the most amazing, life-giving, blessed, and exciting places I've ever been a part of in life has happened through the context of the local church, this one and others. And the best times have always been when God's people come together and when they look at the world in front of them, they step in and they try to, to, make, a, to, they try to make that world a little bit better. And I believe that's the opportunity we're being invited into, friends. So be patient. And as this comes together, be ready to step in and step up some of it's going to work great. Some of it we're going to have to adjust. Some of it we're going to have to figure out. Some of it we might even have to do an experiment, but we're just going to try. We're going to try to step up and we're going to try to be better. We're going to try to release and empower the church, be an Acts 2 type church. And so if, if you're hearing all of this and it's stirring in your heart, I'd love for you to take one of those steps. Pray, pick up a spiritual gifts inventory and get your hearts ready. As I said, Pastor Brian and Pastor Dylan will be at the back and they'd love to chat with you. And finally, in the coming weeks and months, as this plan rolls out, we'd love for you to be a part of it and be willing and let us know what's going on. Let's go right back to the very beginning. 2018. And I'm shaking like a leaf in a bathroom in Calgary. But that wasn't the end of my story, friends. In a lot of ways, that could have been the end, and I could have chosen to just give up and, and isolate myself and, and put myself onto the sidelines. But through God's grace, a couple of days later, as I shared my story, a weight was lifted from my shoulders. 
And I just want to encourage you that your glass isn't half empty or your glass hasn't run dry, that God can refill the cup of your life again. And so often it comes in the context of community, of having people around you who know you and love you. And as you share your story, we take the power out of the secret. We can take the question mark out of our mind because the context of of community, of of biblical believers around us can speak truth into our lives. They can direct our lives. They can link arms with us and say, let's look to Jesus together. And it might be something as simple as just coming to church or turning a song on iTunes or the computer or whatever, the radio, whatever you've got, and worshiping Jesus in a fresh way. These are things, when we link arms together, and look to Jesus together, where the touch and the embrace and the healing of Jesus takes place and the lift of Jesus happens. And yes, life is hard. And yes, we experience things in life that are broken. But it doesn't have to defeat us. It doesn't have to break us. Instead, God can use our mess to become our message. And glory can come again. As we wrap up this time together, um, one of the things that's going to happen is one of our elders, Rick's going to come in just a moment, and he's going to be available to pray up here at the front of the church. And maybe today as God's stirring in your heart, you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable, and I want to encourage you to take the first awkward step in this journey of life that you're on. Because God's not done with you. You're not defeated Instead, God's got something really special. And so Rick's available. He's one of our elders. He would love to meet with you. He's a tender-hearted, amazing guy who would love to meet with you and pray with you and encourage you here today. And I would encourage you, I would encourage us that as we are entering into this new season of life, as thick as it is, that God has something more, that he wants us to be uncomfortable. And then it's going to be awkward and then it'll be essential and it will be glorious as we share in life, and we live into the way that God designed us to live together. Would you pray with me? And then we'll wrap up our time here together. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. And God, as we uh, confess that we've lived and we continue to live in difficult seasons of life, Lord Jesus, we just want to invite you into those spaces, and we want to ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just breathe new life into us again, and that you would bless us in a fresh way again. And so often it's been our experience, God, that the best, or, or that one of the ways this happens, perhaps the best way it happens, comes through the context of community where we can link arms with other believers and we can look to you in a fresh way. Lord Jesus, I pray a blessing upon our church here today. And as we look forward to a new season of ministry and opportunity here in the city of Lethbridge and indeed in this region and around the world, Lord Jesus, would you use us, all of us, as the body of believers to paint pictures of Jesus all through this city, to share the good news of Jesus with others, to serve others, to bless others, to lift others up in Jesus' name and link arms with them and invite them to come and worship you in a fresh way. God, we love you. And we praise you and we thank you so much for the opportunity to serve you together. Would you bless this next week? Would you move in our lives? Would you help our lives? And would you lift up our heads so that we can have clear pictures of your goodness each and every single day? We love you and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty and precious and holy name. 
And all God's people said, amen. Just before you go, one of the opportunities we have as a church coming up here, it's going to happen in the month of March, is we're sending a team to Costa Rica. Right now, there's eight of us who are going. We have spots for two more. And so if you're interested in going to serve down there and learning what it means to live in Christian community and doing construction and these kind of things, I'd invite you to come talk to me after the service. We have a great people who are going and uh, we're looking for, we're going to be doing a fundraiser coming up here in the coming weeks. We'd love for you to be generous and contribute towards that. We'd love, to you to, we'd love for you to pray about this. And we'd love for you to come if you have space in your heart and your life for that. And so let's talk after the service is done. But uh, anticipate this. This is good news. And this is one of the new realities coming out of COVID that we're able to engage with again. So as we go into this week, friends, I'm going to give you a benediction that I used to give all the time when we lived in Penticton. And I've given here often. And it says, church, let's go and be the church. Let's go and be in the hands and the feet of Jesus in a world that desperately needs him. Let's go shine light in darkness in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. We love you guys so much. Have a wonderful week.